Welcome to episode 12 of this season's Idiom America, where I'm picking up where I left off last episode with hat idioms. But first, there was one thing I was curious about from last episode that I forgot to look up to see what the deal was, and that's why we call it tinfoil, as in tinfoil hat, when it's actually made out of aluminum. And it turns out, naturally enough, that uh, we used to use a tinfoil that was actually made out of tin. Uh, but this tinfoil was superseded after World War II by cheaper and more durable aluminum foil, which first came out in 1926. But the name tinfoil lived on, and, and lots of people still call aluminum foil tinfoil. And tinfoil is stiffer than aluminum foil and tends to give a slight tinny taste to the food that's wrapped in it, which is a major reason it has been replaced by aluminum and other materials for wrapping food. Uh, one fun fact about uh tinfoil. The first audio recordings uh, on those phonograph cylinders were actually made on tinfoil. Edison's famous recording of Mary Had a Little Lamb was done on tin. But because the recordings didn't last very long, manufacturers switched over to wax cylinders. Uh, But for purposes of evading the government's mind control rays, there are those out there on the internet that claim that a tinfoil hat made from actual tin instead of aluminum uh, does a better job. Uh, but as for me, I'll, I'll eat my hat if any of that government mind control stuff turns out to be true. And let's just hope it's not made out of aluminum because I have a fair number of fillings in my teeth for cavities and I get the bad kind of chills just thinking about chopping down on that. And the phrase, I'll eat my hat, is of course an idiom that expresses that a person feels pretty confident about something. Uh, also sometimes heard as, I'll eat my shoe. Uh, I mean, you could talk about eating, eating your short uh, your shorts, your shirt, your socks, you know, whatever. But hat is the most frequent one in the, the original there. And it can probably be attributed to Charles Dickens as he used it in the Pickwick Papers in 1837 uh, when he wrote, If I knew as little of life as that, I'd eat my hat and swallow the buckle whole. And he may not have been the first one to use a vow to do some hat eating as an idiom for confidence, but it's only after that that the term really picks up in popularity. Uh, speaking of eating hats, I always got a little hungry uh, singing Yankee Doodle as a kid, um, picturing some mac and cheese uh, due to the lyric there. Yankee Doodle went to town riding on a pony, stuck a feather in his cap and called it macaroni. Uh, why macaroni? You know, what's that all about? Did they just need a silly word to rhyme with pony? Um, well, it turns out there's more to this than you might think. Uh First, despite seeming like one of those original patriotic American ditties, it was actually originally created by the British to make fun of Americans. Uh, But American soldiers reclaimed it as their own during the Revolutionary War. And the macaroni in question referred to a fashion trend that began in the 1760s among aristocratic British men and uh, young British guys would go on their grand tour of continental Europe and they'd come back to England with a stylish sense of fashion that consisted of some large wigs and some trim clothing and as well as a penchant for the little, or at least at that time, the little known Italian dish of macaroni. So the word macaroni came to mean to be sophisticated, upper class, worldly. So with Yankee Doodle, the British were mocking what they perceived as the Americans' lack of class. Americans were simpletons who thought they could be macaroni, be fashionable, simply by sticking a feather in their cap. And speaking of feather in your cap, let's take a look at that idiom, which means 
an accomplishment, an achievement, something somebody's done that they should be proud of. In some cultures, adding a feather to one's head covering meant that the wearer had performed a feat of bravery or had killed an enemy in battle. And Native American cultures were, of course, famous for the use of feathers for this reason in their headdresses, uh, particularly the Sioux. And it's also historically been the custom among hunters in some places to stick feathers in their hats from birds they'd killed. So it's pretty easy to see how this one evolved into a figurative usage to refer to any accomplishment, not just killing enemies in battle or game birds in hunt. At my work here, we have this report that gets circulated every week, and it writes up all the latest noteworthy action that's been going on uh, in our division. And, and then it usually ends with the tip of the week, some kind of tech trick or shortcut, along with uh, what it calls a tip of the hat to whoever in the division passed that tip along. And a tip of the hat or hat tip, of course, refers means to thank or to congratulate. And you sometimes see this one in, in writing, like at the bottom of an article, abbreviated in the form H-T, uh, as a short way for hat tip, as a way for writers to uh, indicate the original source of their information and, and give a shout out there. And this idiom is interesting because it's one of those that has its origin in a nonverbal physical gesture, uh, one that can still be used to mean the same thing. Uh, but it's now become a verbal idiom, um, kind of like the idiom flip the bird or give someone the bird that we talked about a few episodes back. Uh, and the, the physical gesture of actually tipping one's hat to somebody carries even more of a connotation of respect than, than just the verbal idiom. Um, uh, just like giving somebody the bird, I guess, conveys more uh, offense than it would to simply tell somebody verbally that you're <laughs> mentally raising your middle finger against them. Uh, but uh, for the hat tip, you even see this one physically, sometimes even if the hat tipper isn't wearing a hat to tip or doff, as you can simply pantomime the gesture of a doff or a tip. And, and to doff there, of course, is to remove it completely whereas to tip is to merely touch or tilt it. And doffing shows more respect and was used in more formal situations, whereas tipping, it was fine for casual greetings. And so to doff one's hat is another form of this idiom, and it's often used playfully to exaggerate one's thanks. You know, I doff my hat to you, good sir, you know, that kind of thing. And these two idioms arose in the 1800s, but there's a whole tradition in the etiquette-obsessed 18th and 19th Anglo-Western societies of tipping or doffing one's hat. And customs and rules about it, of course, evolved. Uh, those of the lower class or social status were expected to go for the more elaborate gesture of doffing, while the upper class could merely tip or touch, uh, kind of like how the lower-ranked members of the military are supposed to salute first the higher ranked officer. Uh, but back in the day, if you wanted to climb the social ladder, you really needed to uh, study up on your hat doffing rituals and, and be on your best hat tipping game. Uh, but now the classic hat tip, it's been boiled down to a simple head nod of recognition as a means of nonverbal communication and a lot of times. And uh, that's a definite improvement in my book, as, as I like a good head nod, uh, both to give and, and to receive. All right, time to doff the hat for good and look at some of those hats off idioms, uh, starting with that one, hats off. And this one is, of course, simply yet another variation of tip of the hat or to doff one's hat. But 
with even more of a connotation of approval, admiration, or congratulations. Uh, when you say hats off to him for being able to handle that, you're saying, usually saying kudos to him, mad respect. All right, so now the hat's off and we can pass it around. And to pass the hat, of course, means to collect money or other contributions from people for a certain purpose, to take up a collection. Uh, Hank's hanging up his hat, so we're passing the hat to send him off with a nice retirement party. And this one probably comes from the fact that people used to actually pass physical hat around as it's a convenient vessel to collect contributions in. Uh, I also think it might have something to do with musicians out busking on the street corner in the subway, as you'll often see them with a hat set up in front of them to collect donations. Uh, which leads me to wonder whether one reason you, you seem to see musicians more often wearing hats is just a fashion choice than your average Joe might have something to do with this street busker look that comes from uh, passing the hat. And speaking of using the hat to solicit contributions, we get the idiom with hat in hand, uh, which means humbled, chastised, looking to apologize. It's often used in the context of putting pride aside when you're asking for something like money. And it comes from the same idea of removing one's hat to show respect. So you'll hear something like, gas prices are so high so that you get some politician that goes hat in hand to the Saudis requesting more oil production. And if your hat's in hand, you might, might as well pull something out of it, a uh, rabbit maybe. Uh, so there's two idioms there that pull a rabbit out of a hat, which means to produce something suddenly and surprisingly as if by magic and just pull, pull something out of a hat, uh, which can mean the same thing, but it can also mean to select someone or something at random, just, uh, pick a name out of the hat. I don't care. Uh, to pull something uh, out of a hat often has the connotation of doing something unexpected that suddenly improves a bad situation. Uh, I thought the project was dead in the water, but he pulled some funding out of a hat and rescued it. Uh, speaking of magic tricks, what about hat trick as an idiom? Uh, this one's most commonly heard here in the U.S. to refer to the scoring of three goals in one game, usually hockey or soccer, uh, by a single player. And it can be used more generally to refer to any series of three victories, successes, successes or accomplishments. Uh, but as it relates to sports, the term hat trick actually originated in British cricket. Uh, a bowler there who retired three batsmen with three consecutive balls was entitled to a new hat uh, at the expense of the club to commemorate this feat. And eventually the phrase was applied to a single player scoring three goals in any goal sport and later to three victories or successes in sports as different as horse racing and golf. And now it can mean uh, three successes in any field. Um, one, one idiom I heard the other day, one hat idiom, uh, was uh, in, in a great podcast I like to listen to, Story of the Week, uh, hosted by Joel Stein. And that idiom was uh, drop, at the drop of a hat, which means to do something easily with little encouragement or or willing to do something immediately without hesitating. I don't like speaking in public, but she'll get up on the stage at the drop of a hat. Or he's always ready to go fishing at the drop of a hat. Anyway, the episode in this podcast was about an article from New York Magazine that came up with 140 new rules of modern etiquette for everything from tipping to texting. It's kind of fun. Um, and there were definitely some controversial ones there. Uh, 
it's polite to have your camera on for everyone in a Zoom or Teams meeting, for example. Or apparently tipping 15 to 20% no longer cuts it. Uh, and you're supposed to tip at least 20% even at coffee shops and bodegas, uh, according to New York Magazine. Uh, and one of the rules one of the guest editors had that I know would be super controversial for some people I know was never, a- never ask your guests to take off their shoes. Uh, but the podcast guest uh, kind of disagreed with that one, stating that you should be ready to drop your shoes at the drop of a hat. And uh, this idiom, drop, drop at the drop of a hat, may have come from the Old West when a fight or a duel would also begin when a man grabbed his hat and thrust it on the ground. Uh, and the drop of a hat often carries the connotation of an overreaction, too eager to fight without just provocation. Uh, people sue each other these days at the drop of a hat. And it might even be connected to throw one's hat in the ring. Who knows? Uh, some on the internet speculate that's the case. Uh, another theory out there says that it came from horse racing in the late 1800s when it was uh, common to signal the start of a race by dropping a hat. And this practice was uh, particularly common in Ireland, apparently, which seems as likely as any as the country of origin here. Uh, well, we're getting near the end of this episode, and so hat idioms are probably becoming old hat by now. And old hat, of course, means repeated too often, over-familiar through overuse. And it can also mean old-fashioned, passé, outdated. Uh, the entry for this one in the, the Dictionary of Clichés, Clichés by James Rogers, published in 1985, which I just came into possession of, uh thanks to a, a friend who was leaving the office. Um, and you could also call that dictionary the dictionary of old hat sayings, I guess, or better yet, dictionary of old saws. Uh, but the entry for old hat is as follows. Uh, so familiar as to be dull or boring. Probably the rapid changes in hat fashions, particularly women's hats, gave rise to this figure of speech. The saying was in use by 1911 when Sir Arthur Quiller Couch wrote in Brother Copus, So it has happened with Satan and his fork. They have become old hat. Uh, Finally, I'll end this series on hat idioms with one of my favorites, and that's all hat, no cattle, which is used to describe somebody who's full of big talk, but lack substance or power, somebody pretentious, phony, opposer. Uh, and this is a character trait that's kind of easily lampoonable. So there are quite a few similar idioms for this one, like all sizzle and no steak, or all bark and no bite. And this one's obviously a reference to cattle ranchers and the cowboy hats they often wear, and comes from people who wear cowboy hats as fashion, but are not actual cowboys, uh, but just those pretentious phony posers. And this one's particularly connected to Texas, and some people claim that it's an old Texan saying, but it's actually surprisingly recent and didn't seem to come into usage until the latter half of the 1900s. And the first recorded use of this one was actually in a different form called uh, where big hat, no cattle. Uh, And it's connected to Oklahoma and an Indian tribe there, the Osage. Uh, But to bring this episode Full circle, another name for one of those phony cowboy hat wearers with no cattle might be an American macaroni. Uh, But macaroni's gone out of fashion as a descriptor for a fashionable dandy, so I don't see this one catching on anytime soon. 
But language is a funny and often surprising thing, so who knows. I hope you enjoyed exploring it some more with me. Thanks for listening.